to the Be In Cyber podcast. I'm Rosie Anderson, and today we have two guests, Andrea Cullen and Lorna Armitage from Caps Lock. We're going to talk about the Caps Lock bootcamp. We're going to talk about what it's like to be a woman in the industry, why Caps Lock was set up, and we'll also uh, share some advice and tips along the way. Let's get started. So today we've got Lorna and Andrea from Caps Lock joining us on the Be In Cyber podcast. Thank you so much for coming along. Thank you for having us. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers, Rosie. So for anybody who doesn't know who Lorna and Andrea are, tell tell us what you two do. Do you want to go? Who wants to go first? Lorna always. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Hi, everybody. I'm Lorna Armitage. I'm one of the co-founders of Caps Lock. And what about you, Andrea? Yeah. Hi, Andrea Cullen, uh, one of the co-founders of Caps Lock. So tell us a little bit about Caps Lock then. What what is Caps Lock? Let's pretend that I don't know what it is. Yeah, so Caps Lock is, I guess, in a in a nutshell, it's an online training organisation. And what we do is we reskill adults into cybersecurity. I think it's it's probably good to say that it's it's a little bit different to kind of a lot of the training providers, boot camps that are out there. Because we first of all, we take people from nothing, they don't have to have any experience, but it's all about removing barriers. Um, to entry so I'm making sure that really we can we can help improve that that diversity in cybersecurity and give people opportunities where they might not otherwise and I've see seen them. that with lots of the people who are coming out of caps lock they reskill from all walks of life what's kind of been one of the success stories that sticks in your mind there are so many success stories it's difficult to pick one clear winner for me I guess the great success is actually seeing somebody who perhaps has less self-belief, lack of confidence, really doesn't know what they want to do or if they're even capable. It's seen those people come through and there are so, so many of those. I think looking at people's previous roles, previous experience, ooh, clear winner. I know, but I'm, I'm going to... <laughs> no, I'm going to jump in and say one of, the, one of the early ones, and we do give this example, and, I, and I'll never forget because it was one of the first cohorts we do. We had a, a learner on there and she won't mind me saying her name, Nicole. And she had three young children and had come onto the had come onto the course, was on part time. So she had the kids during the day and stuff. And I remember very early on her being on a call with Andrea and there just been tears and snot from both of them because she was just like, I can't do this. Who's going to hire a mom of three who I've worked for like, five years and I'm never going to get a job and and there was there was a few conversations like that but that really early one you know and she you know her confidence was was so low at the time and she went on and she got our top learner in the cohort got the highest marks across the whole cohort and it's now got a fantastic role at PwC absolutely bossing it and it's just and he's now a really good friend as well but you know just seeing her journey and that that confidence but there are so many stories like that which is amazing yeah, to see. I think well, it, that's proof there, you know, PwC, Big Four hiring from some of the Caps Lock retrainers, that, that's great. And I know some of the ones that I've been involved in mentoring, seeing them go on and in, into different things, like particularly people who haven't had much confidence at all, all the way through, or maybe it's taken them a little bit longer to get a job, but they do get one in the end and in like big defence companies, consultancies, BT, because um, you did a big programme for BT, didn't you? What, what was that about? Yeah, that was around taking... BT's internal talent really they used it as a bit of a talent acquisition program but they also took people from roles that were becoming redundant or people who worked in technology that was 
no longer in use. And they took 30 of these people internally and reskilled them into cyber roles. We didn't actually think it was going to be the same buzz seeing people who had roles, but some of these people worked in shop, shops, BT kind of shops, or they worked in call centres and they were doing roles that they weren't really enthusiastic about. They've gone on to do just incredible things. So these 30 people have gone from all different bits of BT and now working as cyber protectors in BT and doing great things, some of whom have been promoted, but interestingly, 14 months on, every single one in post. So I think that was one of the amazing, amazing for them. Yeah, the retention is amazing. And I think I think Andrea's right. You know, we were like, oh, well, they've, they've already got jobs. Is it going to be the same dedication, enthusiasm? But they were they were a fantastic cohort. And actually hearing their stories and seeing how much it changed their lives as well, still still the same. And, you know, we, we see that and it is fantastic. We've got a, we've got like a workspace for for the team, uh, internal team at Capslock, and every single job we celebrate on there, we put it out. We've got like a learners hired, and it goes out. One's just popped through now. What tell you what it is? But you know, it's like amazing. We know they've been looking for ages. They've got a job. It's fantastic, and you know, the whole team celebrates every single hire. It's just amazing it to is. see. So obviously, boot camps in the past have had a lot of. There's been a lot of crap boot camps out there. I'll say it. You don't have to. I'll say it. I've come across. I've come across a few. What makes Capslock so different? How does the Capslock program run? Because I know it's remote. What What do you think makes Capslock so different? I think there's a number of things, and 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 I agree with what you're saying. And it was a dilemma for us. Do we call ourselves a boot camp because of you know what what that reputation has had? in the past we decided to go with that because of the government and their stance on boot camps and they were starting to use that and then the funding was coming through which you know we were hoping to tap into so we can help but I think the thing that makes Capslock different is first of all I'm going to just say it and it makes me uncomfortable but actually our experience and knowledge and expertise that we brought to to Capslock and understanding of education and how people learn but also of cybersecurity. you know we've both worked extensively for for many many years more than I care to remember as consultants in cyber as well to that kind of top level both in public and private sector but we've had years of understanding of education and learning as well so I think that was very different because the curriculum um, you know from the very beginning was all built around the the rigor of academia and how people learn but that flexibility that's needed and that innovation that's needed in in the sector as well in the cyber sector and how people can get a job but also what they need when they're going into those jobs not you know not just that surface learning and ticking a box and passing a cert and I'm not doing certs now you know that you know they have their their place but it was more than that for us so I think it was first to that but also I think the the intent behind caps lock was all always about removing barriers you know to put it really bluntly myself and Andrea had worked with with government, with the university on lots of initiatives, lots of community stuff around trying to get more people into cyber for many, many years. And we were both, quite frankly, sick and tired of sitting in rooms with generally the same people. I won't say it, but I'm sure we can all imagine, you know, saying that they wanted it to be different, but doing the same things over and over again. So we were just like, you know what, fuck it, let's do it ourselves. Um, And I think the intent was always that removing barriers as much as we possibly can. I think as well, with team-based learning, Obviously, I've got some experience as this as as running the mentoring program that's separate to caps uh, separate to the training. The team based learning gives them so many examples. Like when you're in an interview, 
of give me an example of, or give me an example of a problem that you solved. Give me an example of teamwork. Give me an example of being thrown in at the deep end at something. They've got so many relevant exam- competency-based examples for interviews and things because they've done that through the programme. And I know it's always been important that the mentoring is kept separate um, so that you're getting that industry view as well. How does that sort of influence the learners, do you think? I think you've touched on a really important part there, actually, about round, around how they learn. And team-based learning is absolutely incredible. We saw it working really well in a university context. At times, students hated it because they had to work. They couldn't hide. Now, there is no sitting at the back and saying nothing. You're kind of thrown in. In the deep end, you've got to crack on. You've got to input. You've got to contribute. And I think that learning is super important. But still, it is kind of in a, an artificial context. I mean, they start from day one working in a case study, but it is a case study. And I think that mentoring programme as well, alongside this incredible way to learn, that mentoring programme brings that real industry perspective in. So you're able to speak to people who you've solved something in the classroom, speak to somebody and actually say, yeah, that is a real problem. And we solved it too. And this is how we did. So you just get that alternative view. I think that mentoring really adds that additional dimension. Yeah, 100%. The team-based learning as well, it's, and the problem-based learning, the approach that we use in the, in the curriculum, it's more than just the subject matter as well. It, we, within that, naturally, although we do, we do a lot of kind of support around it as well, but naturally within that, it helps with things like those impact skills, you know, the working in teams, the presenting, the communication. It helps to build confidence in a, in a really safe and supportive environment. I think and those are the things that are very, very difficult to teach you know when, when when they're out there in, in the job and I think the, the minute you say actually let's learn about teamwork let's learn presentation skills everybody's eyes roll into the back of the heads and they kind of go well what am I doing this for I want to do cyber this happens naturally alongside the learning and I think in, with that way it's much more impactful you know interestingly Rosie you know the TBL stuff I'm a bit of a nerd with this stuff but TBL as a learning methodology is incredible and for a long time it was used pretty much exclusively in a medical context you know around teaching doctors and professionals how they might respond to certain situations given that there's lots of variables and I think for cyber that still holds true it's not a static environment there are lots of different ways to solve the same problem so I can see how you know it's ultimately really transferable into a cyber context but it is a brilliant way to learn yeah as soon as um you know if the first few weeks you we, we might hear a few grumbles in the mentoring program about death by powerpoint and all of the mentors <laughs> yeah. go back and say yeah that's the real world that's 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 industry the amount of times that you need to pull a presentation together or a report together regardless of which area of cyber you work in and it's really important for them to learn these sorts of skills but by the end the presentations they do on the first week compared to the 16th week I'm sure are very very different yeah yeah it's amazing to see the difference actually and it's amazing to speak to them when they look back and go I can't believe we did that in those first couple of and weeks it's, <laughs> it's also I think it's an incredible way around you know when you talk about death by powerpoint people are used to sitting there and being presented at like the difference here is actually they're the ones doing that presentation development. They're the ones developing those skills. So in terms of them, it's kind of an active element of the course is that. But you're right, it's spot on. I did hundreds. I thought, here we go again, another another version of the other thing I just did. Yeah. 
the thing is they've got a portfolio then of everything that they've done and regardless of whether they were the one presenting if they've been involved in that process yeah. they they've learned it's a way of cementing that knowledge in because presenting back what you've learned is is a really good way of doing that absolutely I think that's the bit as well you know that they um, they don't realize at the beginning it's not until the end or until they've started doing interviews that they realize is they're learning whether they like it or not you know it's you know even if even if they're trying to resist it at the beginning which they often do because the way that it works is it really is that that deeper learning it's not just surface shallow learning and it's going in it is really helping them retain that that understanding and knowledge yeah I can remember years and years and years ago when I was swatting for GCSEs I used to have to read everything and write it down in different contexts to try and get it get it to stick in the brain it all very quickly fell out though <laughs> <laughs> you know they, they say quite a long quite a lot of them say I, I can't remember anything I can't I don't know what I've learned and then somebody will speak to them about something and all of a sudden this knowledge and understanding comes out the mouths and they're a bit like I never knew I even knew that where did that come from so I think it is that almost learning in spite of themselves at times is this trust the process is this what we're saying <laughs> yeah 100%, 100%. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yeah we've got a sticker for that yeah <laughs> so tell us about your backgrounds obviously you've both been in, in academia you've both been in cyber a long time how, how did you sort of get into the industry Andrea I'll let you go first this time okay a bit like most people got into cyber I think by a little bit of a weavy path uh, when I first left school if you can remember way back when I started work as a programmer loved it then had a bunch of kids and stayed at home and decided okay I'm too far out of it to go back into coding I'll do a degree so I did a degree as a mature student then decided okay I love this learning I'll do a PhD why not and started first as a lecturer at that point just at the point when cyber was coming out so it was a great opportunity we started this course um, it wasn't called cyber back then it was in 2004 I can't believe that's 20 years ago but it was called internet and computer and system security basically it was cyber so I got through kind of I guess a bit of a combination of a computer science background and operations management which is where my PhD took me stuck together pretty much said cyber if I'm honest so I fell into it a bit of a happy happy accident okay what about you then Lorna well yeah so I I was I, I was a bit of a naughty child so I left left school with two GCSEs I went in I went in and did my English and my art because you know I could do those quite easily um and the rest yeah I was uh, up to no good doing other things at, at that age but you know I always actually loved learning even from that age but you know what it's like when you when you're younger and a bit daft and then had children really quite young I had my my eldest the week before my 18th birthday I gave birth so really very young and so I had kids and when they were when they were younger especially when Anth was younger did a lot of adult learning stuff so I went to to college did some open university again really loved learning did a programming course in COBOL and did some programming in COBOL and really enjoyed that and decided actually I'd always wanted to go to university so I decided I was going to go to university as a mature student so I went and did my degree with two two young kids and did my computer science degree so like on Andrea really started with computer science because I always loved that side of it and loved programming and and that kind of thing and then went on to I sort of did my degree and thought what do I do now I might I think I'm going to like teaching so went in and, and trained as a as a teacher so then went and earned my spurs in a inner city secondary Bradford school Bradford schools and uh, 
yeah, um, I suppose there, but was quite frustrated with that because at that time they were very much teaching IT in schools, not computer science. So it was, you know, teaching Microsoft, basically screenshot. Um, so got quite frustrated with that and moved over to academia and moved over to the university. And again, like Andrea, kind of fell into it. You know, I moved over to the university and, and was um, lecturing in, in computer science, uh, but was really interested. For me, I was really interested in the, the techie bits, but also the people. I'd done quite a lot of psychology, previous learning in psychology, so I was really interested in the people side of it. So naturally kind of started and fell into social engineering, and that's where we did quite a lot of research together in social engineering, and then and then got into pen testing and, and that side of it. So, yeah, sort of fell into it as well, What's really. What's been the most enjoyable part of your journey would you say oh for me this is the no-brainer I think you know having gone worked in university and I was in there 16 years which is a significant amount of time and being frustrated with so much that went I mean it's the brilliant places I'm not knocking the university but being frustrated by so much around how there were so many barriers to people getting into the sector and actually you would say that person might be one Newcastle point short but I could see how they could be incredible so for me, the absolute highlight has been seeing removing as many barriers as we can, just coming from it from a completely different point of view, starting caps lock with the total view to let's change as many lives as we possibly can. Let's remove as many barriers as we can. Let's focus on people's determination and interest and passion. All these things really that make somebody incredible in the sector. Let's focus on that. The absolute highlight for me is having the freedom to design a curriculum that 100% worked, to look at removing any barrier we possibly can and absolutely shedding all the constraints of previous places I've worked in. Then let's do it our way. You know, let's focus on the, the best bits we can and get some world-class. Um, and I think we've got there. I know we've got there, I should say, I think, should I? Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I'd have, I'd have to agree with a lot of that. I think it is definitely, for me, caps lock and what we've done. All of those things that Andrea said, but just seeing the, the journeys, it's been, and I'm sure will continue to be an absolute emotional roller coaster. I didn't ever envisage it would be so much of an emotional roller coaster. I'm going to be honest. Um, you know, we, we made some really quite significant personal and professional sacrifices to, to come and do caps lock. I'm not doing the old woe is us and, you know, crying the portal, but we did. But, you know, I would not regret if it all finished tomorrow, I won't regret a day of it because I, I genuinely know, and it sounds really cheesy saying this, and it makes me really uncomfortable, but I'm going to say it anyway. I know Capsock has changed lives, you know, quite significantly. And, and watching that and being able to be part of that has been really quite humbling and just, yeah, really fantastic. Yeah, it definitely has. And there's people that are in the industry now that are, are there because of Capsock. They might not have even thought about cyber before, but because it is accessible. And it is, you know, you've got the student loan aspect, there's different ways of doing it. It means there are no barriers to come into the industry. And if they don't get a job in industry, if it doesn't work for them, then they don't pay it back. They've got to earn after so much, don't they? Yeah, it's a massive difference for some people. You know, there's even things from the very beginning, we, we were trying to look at as many barriers, you know, and even with that, you know, there's, there's cost to that for even just to apply to that. But what we do is we take that cost on as well, because at the very beginning, we said for some people, even £50, £100 is going to be too much of a barrier for them to be able to even say, well, I'm not I'm not applying for that at that stage. Um, so, you know, it was a real conscious decision for us that 
we we want to remove as as many barriers as we possibly can we can't remove all of them unfortunately we're not magicians but you know we can we can do whatever we can to do that and hopefully we can continue to do that for many and years it's completely to free for people to hire from capstock which is something that that i always push you know if, if you're hiring juniors there is absolutely no charge at all to hire from capstock if you go to capstock directly and you offer that that your careers team offer like a filtering service don't don't use if rather than just share a role if, if they want that as a service yeah absolutely and again that was a conscious decision there was a little bit of push early on um around should we be charging you know recruitment fees but again it was from us very much absolutely not it just puts another barrier in place we you know our incentives are aligned with the learner we want to get them out into jobs into their careers and get them started and actually as you know Rosie quite a lot of the time we're working quite closely with recruiters and it's important actually that that's not part of what we're doing for us it goes beyond just providing the education it really is genuinely all about getting somebody into a new career and anything we can do that removes a barrier from us to get them that far we'll absolutely look at doing yeah a lot of the mentors are recruiters um you know that they've got a network of people they've it's in their interest to, to get these people jobs as well and that's something that we sort of actively do when we look for mentors is people who can help with that transition into industry or help with the cv or interview techniques or maybe they're in industry already and and have that network that that, that is a, a an important thing for us when we're picking who who well, asking people if they want to come and mentor, which they do. It, it surprises me every time, like how many people will voluntarily give up their time to help, which is great. Yeah, it's amazing when it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously you you are a couple who work together in industry. Would you say it's been harder to be women in this industry, in cyber, or would you say it's been harder to be outed lesbian like lesbian couple lesbian ladies in industry <laughs> definitely ladies yeah. <laughs> I'm not often called a lady so I'll take that <laughs> um I would I'm a hundred percent woman yeah um I think um... you're a hundred percent woman <laughs> no I'm not a hundred percent woman <laughs> I didn't mean that I can, I can vouch for that, that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think long time to take a drink. <laughs> I think it's hundred percent harder to be a woman. I actually think people care less if you're a lesbian woman than the so the 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 misogyny is still there in cyber. I think it's getting better, and it's definitely got better over the last sort of ten fifteen years that I've worked in cyber. But but it is still there. But I do think I'm not sure people care that much about the the lesbian bit, you know. But it, but it's woman that you see I'd, I'd agree I'd agree definitely it's harder to be a, a woman inside than it is to be a, a lesbian inside can you be one without the other lesbian woman <laughs> no, yeah you can you can be a woman without being a lesbian okay and um, <laughs> for loads of reasons but I think the, the one bit that I find harder is that quite often men don't know what to do with you you know, if you're a if you're a woman in cyber, they can play up to that, maybe flirt a bit, be a bit, you know, like that. When you're a lesbian, I think people genuinely don't know whether to pat you on the back or, you know, there, there is that awkwardness at yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is like, actually, I don't know how to interact. What do I do here? I can't use my usual kind of methods of chatting. 
Uh, but I think outside of that, no, definitely harder to be a woman than it is. Anything else, that's the biggest barrier. Yeah. What's been the hardest environment to work in as a woman? <laughs> <laughs> that's an in- No, that's an interesting one, the hardest environment. Is it being a founder? Academia in, no, academia in, in computer science stroke cyber is quite tough. I think that's quite a tough environment. I think we were the women in the computer science department at one time of what would there be maybe 20 yeah yeah 24 um so that's yeah so that was quite 20 24 yeah yeah we were the for me I I actually think it is the founder environment the business founder environment because we thought it'd be different I think maybe that's why it felt harder Uh, because coming from academia where you knew you're in a computer science department pretty much 100% men both as students and as staff it was a an uber male environment probably more than the one we're in now but starting our own company I thought it would be different and it was amazingly not uh, still I think there's a tiny percentage of founders a year that are women in business a really small percentage but also the misogyny is still there when you're in meetings when you're in discussions it is still really clear that if there's a man in the room they're the expert yeah I remember the article that you put out as well yeah, the teller. Yeah, it was it was quite overt at times, you know, when especially when we were looking at funding, and we were we were talking to investors and things. We had some quite recently as well. That was a little bit. I'm pretty sure that was because we were two two women in the room. But you doubt yourself, don't you? It's like, is it because we're women? Would it be different if there were a, a man here? And I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people do that. But I often doubt myself. Well, is it? And then I look and think, yeah, it absolutely bloody is. Because I know that we've had different conversations. And that, for me, the tally was that, really. It was about really cementing it and going, actually, this is not not okay. And, you know, this isn't us imagining it. And, you know, this is this is actually, we're counting. <laughs> we're counting this. Um, and it was, it was quite, it was quite shocking, um, that one. And it's, again, it, it, I think it, it is getting better, but there is still so much work, work to be done. But really. there's... There's always a question of how can men, and not just men, but how can people be an ally to women or be an ally to the LGBTQ plus community? I always forget now how many letters <laughs> it, um, what, what the correct term is. What, what do you think people can be doing if they see this? Do they call it out? Is there, what's kind of your advice as to how to be an ally to women and to lesbian LGBTQ plus community? For me, it's to bring them into the conversation, you know, to quite often somebody might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed or staying quiet because because of the environment they're in. So being that person that actively engages with somebody and makes sure that their voice is heard in the room. Uh, I think quite often you will get, like I said, people sitting quietly because it feels like the right thing to do, because it can be quite, if you're the only woman in a room, for example, of 16 of the men, you can feel a little bit intimidated. I think bringing that person in the room. My top advice would be never be the person who makes the tea. And that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But you know, quite often there is that tea or coffee at the side of the room and an expectation you're going to be the one serving it. I would sit and die of thirst before I get up. And I'm always, the I'm tea. always the, the tea maker. It's just the always, I'm always the host though. That's the way I've always been. I think that's probably a natural thing from you though, isn't it? That you feel that, you need to I think for me it is it is calling it out and it doesn't have to be done in a confrontational way you know you can do it I use humor quite a lot to to call things out but I think 
definitely calling it out with whichever way you're comfortable with as, a, as an individual, bringing somebody back in, you know, when you see some of these sort of microaggressions, if somebody speaks over a, um, a colleague who might be you know, part of an underrepresented group, then actually saying, oh, you were just saying, Rosa, can I just bring you back in? I think things like that are really helpful. Visibility as well, when we see more people like us, then, then we feel more comfortable in that environment as well. But I think just being just being aware of it and having the conversations is a is a massive step. And also asking yourself, you know, because actually the reality is, if, if we're honest, at the top in cyber, it is still predominantly white male. And, you know, they're the people who we need to be on board with this to change it as well. And what they can do at the top is actually they can look around the room and say whose voice is not in this room right now who we're not listening to. Because as as human beings, we're always going to, and it's our nature, we're always going to go for things that we're comfortable with, that are familiar for us. We've all got that unconscious bias, you know, even even when we're, we're trying. So I think actively asking yourself, whose voice do I need to hear to be part of this conversation and be part of this decision making so things can be can be different is really important. Yeah, I think the other key thing as well is not being scared to get it wrong. You know, if you if you called out or if somebody says something, the best response you can give is holding your hand up and kind of saying, never thought about it that way and not doing it again. And I, people sometimes can feel a bit paralysed, can't they? I'm not going to speak, I'm not going to do because you can't say anything anymore. You know, have that kind of mindset. Whereas I, I guess, you know, that lack of fear of getting it wrong and holding your hands up if you do and just trying to be better, I think is the, the better way to be. Yeah, continually learning. I can't remember which... Um... I went to a away day or a talk a few years ago. The lady, and I'll find her name afterwards, said, if you think about your friendship group, what are the common denominators? If your friends, if you think of like your five closest friends, are they all just like you? And it made people realise, like at one point I had a group of friends, all their names began with L. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I found a letter and gone with it. <laughs> and it does make you realise that co- consciously, you will try and be friends with people who look like you. Maybe they live in the same hometown, maybe the same gender. So that that was a big eye opener for me. So I, I would have thought that I've always been very inclusive. And when I think of my friendship group now, it's it's so much wider. It's so much more diverse. I don't know if that's been intentional or just made sure that if I'm at a conference and I see someone on their own or somebody who doesn't necessarily look like me, who's very different or or different to how I am. I always try and include them in the conversation and it's it it does make you think actually consciously that's how we grow up we if we still stay in the same town and if we go to the same courses if we go to the same clubs if we go to the same schools same colleges same university and we've all been very similar I think cyber is really good at including everyone I think because it is typically remote and we can do these jobs from everywhere there's a lot more we're, we're a lot more inclusive in terms of people who only want to work from home neurodiverse neurodiversities are very much welcome in the industry you can work from anywhere if you're less physically abled you can work from anywhere um, I, I know plenty of people in this industry who are blind hackers who are deaf um, who I've come across all the time more and more people are learning sign language we can do these jobs from anywhere and in the environments that we're comfortable so I think as an industry it's got so much potential it just seems that women have been the forgotten part 
Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It is. And I, do you know what I'm saying? It's getting better. The latest um, government report actually shows that it's getting, getting worse, <laughs> doesn't it? Um, but, you know, I, I, I know for us, it's a massive, it's a massive part of what we do. I think it helps having two female founders of a business and that, that visibility there. Um, but we are, you know, you talk about inclusion, but it, it's got to be active inclusion. It's not about ticking a box, you know. And we've, so we, we launched the Cyber Might Surprise You campaign, um, you know, which is all about that, you know, getting that out to people who think that cyber might not be for them or don't even see it as an option. So actually myth busting and we're doing lots of work around that as well. And, and some specifically aimed at women as well to try and get more, more women into the sector, but really looking at all underrepresented groups, you know, including socioeconomic status and, and different elements of that. And it's a really tough one for us because the, the, the challenge has always been for us. How do we get to the people that don't even know that cyber could be an option for them? You know, and that's and that's something that we've always really focused on with our with our branding, with our language and, and everything and, and our kind of campaigns. And this is a, a big one that we launched at the minute. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a tough one. I don't know whether it's part of it is because there's a lot of um cyber that came from military. So naturally it was quite a masculine environment that, you know, where it's bred from. If you'd go right back to the um, you know, the theoretical models in cyber, you know, a lot of them are military-based models, um, you know, so I think there's a lot of the history of cyber in, in that military context. So maybe that's why it became such a masculine kind of area to work in. I think in. the media as well, to be honest, the portrayal of what a cyber professional looks like is young, male, casual. I mean, I'm staring away from saying hood up, hoodie, back bedroom. We are both sat here in hoodies right now, by the way. Yeah, we are, yeah. <laughs> That's why I didn't want to say it out loud. But I, I think that media representation of what a cyber professional looks like is not appealing to a lot of women and not appealing to a lot of people more generally. It's quite a niche, quite a niche appeal, really. But it's not appealing to, to a lot of women who don't see the potential to have a role in cyber that is really sociable, socially valuable, that can be really caring, that can use all sorts of other skills that they might have in absolute bucket loads. But the stereotypical media view of what cyber is and what a cyber person should look like doesn't necessarily appeal to them. And I think I completely agree with Lauren on this in terms of women, as all well as women in this sector, becoming more visible, actually being more kind of able to say what cyber's about, bust these myths, you know, open up this sector, make it kind of less gatekeepery, less gate smoke and mirrors. All that must add to, to women just seeing their place in it a little bit clearer. 100%. Visibility, 100%. You said something earlier, actually, when we were watching watching the football this morning. <laughs> England have just got through to the quarterfinals in the, in the World Cup, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, but Andrew was saying, and, and you were saying, weren't you, about playing sports and actually if, if, in, if the women's football had been more visible when she was younger, she felt that she would have actually got into football because you were quite a sporty, sporty person when, when you won. Mm-hmm. And Andrea played basket, basketball at quite a, a decent level. And she, was saying, and she was saying, I was thinking, why did I get into basketball? And actually, it was because my mum play, played basketball. So I saw a woman doing it. Um, and it, it is really true. You know, it is, you've got to have those role models. You've got to have that visibility uh, around people. So you can look at somebody who looks and feels like the kind of person you are, are who is doing it and go, they can do it. I can do it. And trust me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. So, 
Yeah, that visit, you know, we, we see it from a role model perspective sometimes, don't we, about who are the role models. Actually, it's looking within ourselves at times and saying, how can I make myself more visible? Because actually somebody might identify more closely with me than, than with somebody yeah. else. And you don't have to be at the top of your career to be a role model. I think Sam Humphreys just put an article out about you don't choose to be a role model. There are people that you will inspire. So at times, you know, we have to think of our behaviours. Are these things that, that that are role model-esque? Is that even a word? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is now. And one of the previous episodes I recorded with Barty, she was asking, like, where are the mums in cyber? Because sometimes we hide the fact not hide the fact but we don't shout about the fact that that we're mums that we're parents that we're trying to juggle it all and cyber can be a good industry for people who want to pick and choose to a degree the hours that you want to work depending on which area you're working and you you know if you if you're on an incident an incident happens you, you're stuck there for a while aren't you you're just going to kind of pick and choose the roles that you go into if you're in shifts uh in a sock you've got to make sure that shift pattern works for you and shifts can work for for parents if you've got a supportive network at home parents of both genders I think that's important to show that it is an industry that anyone can work in and like with Nicole Nicole was a mum with three children she's managed to get into the industry in a consulting role Uh, there's plenty of parents who are in the industry who find a supportive and a rewarding career because as your children do grow up you do start to think well hang on I'm not just mum anymore what what can I be or you're crazy like us and start businesses (laughs) (laughs) I'll add a new baby into the litter (laughs) absolutely (laughs) yeah absolutely and I think it, you're right you know and I really enjoyed that article that Sam wrote about the, the role models because it was something that I'm I was and still not totally comfortable but was really uncomfortable with and you know almost apologetic about and I remember you know Claire came in who's amazing our head of growth and looking at you know looking at kind of that that marketing and stuff and saying need to get you out and do more talks and things now I don't have a problem with doing talks actually I'm quite comfortable doing that because of my background but I have a problem with that bit where you know, well, does anybody want to listen to me? Like, who wants to listen to me? And I, and I remember saying something to who runs our alumni, saying, oh, you know, dude, I could do a talk if you think anybody would be interested, the chat GPT one. And she's like, oh, my God, yes, Lorna, people are interested. And, you know, it, it feels quite uncomfortable, but I think it is really important. And Andrea got this way before me and was much better at it, but it is really important that you are visible and you're out there and people can see that, you know, you're just normal as well, you know, <laughs> and everybody struggles and everybody has difficulties and we ain't got all got this perfect life and come through a perfect route to, to get where we are. I remember before um, so Lisa Forte, she's, in my eyes, Lisa Forte is a rock star. And I'm really pleased now that I can say that she's a friend. Like we've got numbers and we text each other and everything. It's, <laughs> it's quite fangirly here. But before her talk, she was like, please, what, is there somewhere I can sit and be quiet and just get my head into my talk because I'm so nervous? And I'm like, you've must talk all the time. She's like, yeah, but I still get nervous about it. I still have to psych myself up before a talk. And it is, you know, it is nerve wracking public speaking. I'm still trying to figure out why I've been asked to keynote at B-Size Newcastle. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to say for 30 minutes? You're trying not to swear. Because <laughs> you're amazing. <laughs> you know? That's why. Yeah, that's 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 a future talk to try and figure out. <laughs> I think that's quite, a, quite. I was going to say, I think that's, quite a female view of the world as well 
you know, this view of am I good enough? Will people listen to me? Have I got some worth something worth saying? Who do I think I am? Get back in my box, you know, stop, stop trying to tell, you know, I think that is a real female view of things. And that's where support is super important, like you say, and visibility, actually, seeing somebody else and identifying with them or having somebody next to you that says, absolutely, you want to be, you know, there's tons of people who want to listen to you. You're amazing. You'll be fantastic. It's all those things that it's, I think that's the part in the industries. I think as well, girls, girls, women, (laughs) (laughs) women do typically have support networks, don't they? I'm sure men have them too. And I'm sure men get nervous. They just maybe don't shout about it like we do. No, absolutely. You know, we do a lot on imposter syndrome on the, on the course and throughout the course. And it's amazing actually how, how many men speak up and say, oh my God, I've suffered with this for years and never really knew where it was or didn't realize it and you know and actually just again talking about things like that is really important for everybody you know, irrelevant of of gender and things like that because you know everybody gets nervous I think research will show that it, it tends to affect women more but I think everybody everybody struggles with it everybody gets nervous um, and it is it is important that you know just as people we support yeah. each other yeah not just yeah like you say not just women um you need to find your tribe which is something that uh, we talk about all the time like particularly with caps lock if once you're once you're in caps lock that's it now you're part of your tribe <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely it's a fantastic bunch as well caps lock really supportive I think the cohorts that go through they make friends for life and even if it's not necessarily friends in their group of the cohorts they've all been through it together and when they finish so many of the caps lockers want to come back and be like alumni mentors as well and help the next generation it's something that's really nice to see it's sort of like passing that mantle down and and helping each Mm -hmm. other going forward with the different slack channels and uh, the different socials and and, and meetups and things and it's lovely when you go out to an event and you see like a big tribe of caps lockers (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is caps lock in the wild we call it it Yeah, so final question for you both and I know you I know you're both really looking forward to this what would be the one piece of advice that's either stuck with you throughout your career or if you didn't receive any advice what would you advise your younger self what would you be telling young Lorna young Andrea not that you're old now <laughs> younger, we are very much old <laughs> younger Lorna and younger Andrea when they were starting out I think it wasn't necessarily ad- advice that, that stuck with me. And it is something that I would also re-emphasize with my younger self. I think my mum was very much, you know, you can do anything. You can do whatever you want. Don't let anybody tell you that you, you can't do it because you're a girl. You know, she had four daughters and a, and a son, youngest. So he's the, the mummy's boy, blue-eyed boy. He's like nearly in his fight now. So kill me for saying that. But, <laughs> but you know so but she was very much with us girls you know you can do whatever whatever you want don't let anybody tell you any different you know I remember once being at a funeral in a working men's club with her uncle you know much older and me and my sister going to play snooker and being told you can't play snooker it's a working men's club and my mum having like this massive stand-up row with <laughs> with her uncle and and the people in that club saying my my girls want to play snooker they can play snooker like this is ridiculous but it was that kind of mentality you know growing up that that you can do anything and I think that would be my advice to my younger self you know don't let anybody including yourself especially yourself tell you that you can't do something you know 
put that, and this has come from actually Christine, who's our, our coach at Capsock, who is amazing, put yet on the end. I can't do it yet. And I think that can be really powerful and, and psychologically can really help. You know, I'm not able to do this yet, but I will, but not not put that, that barrier in place for yourself and don't let anybody else put it in place yeah. for you. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy, aren't we? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah top advice that. I think if you lo- use that for me alongside the bit that says you are absolutely enough, and uh, you know, not expecting to be something you're not, being able to be you and you is absolutely enough. I think that would be the other top bit of advice, really. It sounds pretty straightforward, but we spend a lot of time apologizing for who we are or who we're not, you know. And I think for, for me, it would be you are absolutely absolutely enough not too much just enough <laughs> and probably too much <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not Rosa oh well thank you so much for being great guests on the podcast and thank you for coming along thank you for having us it's been amazing yeah, as always cheers Rosa thank you Hopefully you've enjoyed today's episode and if you want to find out more about cybersecurity careers and the Capslot Bootcamp, go across to www.capslot.ac. If you've got an idea of a guest for me or maybe you've got a story that you'd like to share, please drop me a message on any of the socials or reach out at beincyber at gmail.com. Hopefully you've enjoyed today's episode. Uh, please like and subscribe and share with your friends.